Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number seven of the Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show. Personal conversations with powerful men. Well, welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing? I hope you're having a great week. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling fulfilled? Are you out there attacking life, doing your best? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling successful? I hope so. I certainly am. And uh, I'm excited to have you on the show today. Uh, I see a lot of new people listening lately, so I thought I'd take a moment to explain a little bit more about what this show is about. It is, in essence, an extension of my core business, which is as a personal coach mainly for men these days. And what is coaching? There's a lot of questions. What is coaching? What do you do? How does that work? So coaching is not uh, me standing there just motivating, telling you to do better like a sports coach. It's not like that at all. I certainly have plenty of flaws. I have (laughs) a sugar addiction. I struggle to keep fit and healthy. I wake up depressed all the time and I have to find a way to kick myself out of that mood. Um, I travel a lot and I just... uh, you know, I have a lot of demons and a lot of things I struggle with, but I found a lot of amazing techniques to overcome that stuff. And I think I live a pretty extraordinary life now. I have great relationships. Financially, I do very well, and I get to travel and, and do lots of cool things with my time. So I'm by no means perfect, but I am, uh, I've figured out a lot of cool ways to live a really good life. So when I'm coaching someone, I'm looking for men that are looking for the same thing, that are on the same journey, that maybe they've got a good career and a good family life, but they still feel empty inside, like there's something missing. I can help you find more fulfillment and happiness in your life. Some people are struggling with their relationships. We have a very strange view of masculinity now, especially in New Zealand. So uh, I help guys to uh, be more powerful in their relationships and, and get what they want, get more love and enjoyment in their relationships where they might be struggling. Even financially, if you're struggling financially, I can help you put things in place to Uh, make more money and just become more secure and at the end of the day just be less stressed not have so much anxiety in your life and just find more love more joy more happiness more fun all the good stuff that life should be about that's my specialty so uh, I don't have a standard package I tailor some uh, a new package for every guy that I talk to depending on budget time and I'm very very picky it's uh, I have a precious little amount of time uh, for coaching and you have Uh, Your time is also very precious, so I'm very picky about who I work with. I make sure we're a good fit. If you're interested in doing that, go to my uh, website, nathanseward.com. There's a section called Mind-Blowing Coaching. I call it that because that's what people say You know, when we work together. Man, that was mind-blowing. So that would be a a cool name to use for that. Uh, And you can see all about it. You can apply for coaching and you can learn a little bit more. As an extension of that, I wanted to uh, have this podcast for... Uh, the men that I work with, to hear conversations with other uh, extraordinary men from around the world. These are not well-known men, but these are men that I think have taken on living an extraordinary life and are on similar journey to you and I. So they might have uh, overcome a whole bunch of stuff. They might have techniques and tips uh, to overcome all sorts of different things, depression or just finding more happiness and fulfillment, all the stuff we're talking about. So this podcast is just showcasing amazing men and having a deep conversation with them. Uh, I'm so passionate about the show. I hope it becomes the biggest podcast in New Zealand. I want every man to be listening in the car on the way to work, getting fired up, 
getting uh, you know insights into how to live a more amazing life. So don't be afraid to share this podcast around. I'd love it if you do, and let's try and uh, make this journey together and and have more love and fun and success for everybody, and uh, in particular guys in New Zealand. This week, I'm so excited to have a wonderful guy, Michael Belshan, on the show. Michael is an executive coach. He graduated Harvard with honors, went on to be a very successful options trader uh, in the markets in Chicago, but at the end of the day, felt a little bit empty and, and like there was something missing. And Michael made the transition into coaching and has gone from strength to strength and just lives a wonderful, wonderful life. Uh, he put out a book uh, about meditation that you'll hear all about. And Michael is just a really, really intelligent, insightful guy, and he's learned a lot. Uh, he goes deep in this conversation and shares a lot of really cool stuff, so I think you're going to get a lot out of this one. So we joined the conversation when I asked Michael about his time at Harvard and whether it was a deep drive for success that allowed him to graduate there with honors. So enjoy this personal conversation with the powerful Michael Belshan. Yeah, I think so, although Harvard was never a goal. Um, Harvard was, so we have this thing in, in the States called the common application where essentially you fill out one application and, um, can, can use that to submit to multiple schools. And I almost applied to Harvard as like a joke as like, this would be really, <laughs> really fun thing. Um, and got in. And I think is that's a testament to my parents and them having me just do all sorts of shit when I was growing up, whether it's you know, sports and being the captain on, on various different sporting teams or, you know, Boy Scouts, I was an Eagle Scout or piano and guitar and kind of all these sorts of things that um, I just assumed were, were normal and, and always just tried to be as best as I could be at them, but not necessarily with this goal of like, I'm going to go to Harvard and, 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 you know, be the president of the United States or whatever. <laughs> So your parents just instilled this try everything approach, just give everything your best. best yeah. Yeah. Um, and then some, you know, I didn't love going to piano lessons. I didn't love going to some of the camping trips or, or whatever. Um, it, it wasn't always like the cool thing, especially when you got into junior high. Um, and they had, they had put down rules of like, you can't drive a car until you get your Eagle Scout. Um, I think, Wow. There was a fam yeah, I think there was a family in town that had that rule that they like picked it up from, which they actually then dropped for me when uh, I went to France for a year as an exchange student at fifteen um, and hadn't gotten my Eagle Scout by then. And when I got back, they realized how great it would be to have me as taxi service for my younger siblings. so they 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 amended that to be okay. Um, you can get a, a license now and drive, but you still have to get your Eagle Scout. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So uh, your parents are pretty successful themselves. They're pretty motivated types. Um, hmm. I mean, I think it depends on, on how you kind of define success. And I think that's important too, is getting clarity on what success means to you. I certainly think that they've been successful. I think they've, you know, I've, I feel like they've done a great job in raising all, you know, me and, and my, my siblings. Um, and they've had an impact on the communities around them and are just, just really the types of people that I think, um, if you emulated them, you'd be doing pretty good. Um, they haven't had necessarily some of the professional successes that people often look to. Um, although they, they, they have had in some cases, but, um, 
yeah, I think I think successful in the more more impactful type, you know, definition of the word of like people respected them. They made other people feel welcome and respected right back and were just pillars in the communities and, and generally created really positive, loving, fostering um, communities. And, and even, you know, my dad had um, run a series of pizza stores um, in the home in my hometown and he would open a pizza store in neighborhoods where everyone said like, this is going to be a failure. Like this, this store is not going to succeed. And he would hire um, people from that area and essentially empower them and say, look, this is, this is your store and it's on you to, you know, run it with integrity and, and treat people with, with respect and kindness that walk in and would use that as a platform to, to have some, some change in, in communities that, that could really use it. So, um, I certainly see them as successful. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like they're very insightful, you know, um, yeah, forward thinking in terms of their parenting and that kind of thing as well. For sure. And I, I, you know, I think I attribute a lot of where I am to them, um, and a lot of who I am to them, um, and have worked over the past years, like allow myself to give myself credit to and know that, that it, parenting by itself won't, won't create necessarily, um, results and that the kid has to show up too. But, um, yeah, I, I, I am certainly very blessed and, and feel very fortunate to have had the upbringing that I did. You made an interesting point about success. So success is, I think it's a pretty charged word these days, you know, to be successful. Like if you think about being successful, people often refer to movie stars or, uh, billionaires or something like that but mm-hmm. uh, as you said and I firmly believe it's true what you said that being a great parent raising great kids empowering people in your community being a good human is as big a success as the more material things that we tend to see as success these days but what's your definition of success um, you know I think it's something that that changes but but for me it's really um, and, you know, people talk a lot about like being your best self. Um, and, and for me, I think that's part of it is I want to look back and just know that um, I didn't allow fear to hold me back from from stretching and trying to have the impact that I could. Um, and really that that I was a good human being that I treated other people with kindness um, and kind of all of, you know, I just had a conversation today and I, I shared kind of like my highest goal, which I suppose is is synonymous with success. Um, but that's to live in such a way that, that all of my thoughts and actions and words just come from this place of pure love and positive energy moment to moment to moment. So like at the end of the day, if I were to watch like a DVD recording of, of my day, there's no point where I would kind of like cringe and say, Oh, I wish I could have had that, that choice over and not, um, yeah, I would describe it. It's not like I would switch my 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 bet on a horse. Like if I knew which horse one, I'd change my bet and, and change that decision. But it's like, okay, my wife comes home at the end of the day and she says, like, why are there dishes in the sink? I can snap and say, like, oh, you know, like, fuck off. Like I did the dishes yesterday or whatever. Um, or I can recognize, okay, maybe she's tired. Maybe she's hungry from work. I'm tired and a little bit cranky. Like maybe this isn't a personal attack and maybe like, yeah, it would be nice for the dishes to be done. So how can I, you know, say hello and give her a hug and just not take it personally. And 
um, for me, that that's it. And it's, it's not something that I, I can ever actually reach, I think. Um, and that's been an, an edge too, is like having these things that you strive for, um, knowing that you might not ever hit them. And that's totally cool. Um, yeah, so that uh, I, I do want to throw on too. you know, I heard um, Derek Sivers, uh, he makes a point about success this when he says, you know, our typical thought is Richard Branson, right? Like he's this massive success. Exactly. But but what if Richard Branson actually just like wanted to read all the time and, and like be to himself, then all of a sudden he doesn't seem like such a, such a success anymore because that's not what he actually wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's such a narrow band of the definition of success when in reality it's so personal. It's so, mm-hmm. so personal. And for you, you still, you know, you're quite a, seems like quite a competitive guy, so you still probably have the, the drive to have, you know, the more traditional kind of success. You were a you were a trader, right, on Wall Street out of university? Yeah, yeah so um, in Chicago in the commodities, which um, it's like the, a lot of the stock is, stuff is based in New York, and then a lot of the um, commodities stuff is, is based in Chicago. And yeah, came out and, and worked in the trading industry for almost seven years, um, and you know had had this point where I, I, I came home and I, I was like I laid on my floor and just kind of exasperated and like what is wrong with me because I I felt like I checked all those boxes of what successful was. Um, like I had this great relationship, you know, I had no debt. We owned our home. I had this awesome job. Like I was making good money. I went to this great school. Like I was in great shape. It's like everything that society told me to do to be successful or happy, I I felt like I had done. And yet I still wasn't happy. I I mean, I I was, but there was something, something missing. Um, and I had guilt around that of like, who am I to have all these things that people dream about and not just be totally content with them um, and struggle with that? And it, it on one hand makes me sound like, a, you know, like a, like, a, like an asshole in the point of like, Oh, of course he can say that because he had those things. Um, and I tell people like, yeah, but I wish you could just understand that even without those things, like that's not the point. That's not what's going to give you fulfillment. And, and that's not what's going to bring you happiness. Um, so really getting clarity on what does success mean to me. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, this is such a common thing. There's a lot of high achievers that listen to this podcast and a lot of people that I work with in my coaching business that have got it all, exactly what you said. They've got all the traditional trappings of success, yet there's this feeling of emptiness. And then exactly what you've said, I heard it time and time again, that this, the next feeling is guilt. Fuck, I have everything, like, I should be so happy, but yet I, I can't deny the fact that I feel empty. So where do you go from there? You feel that feeling that something's missing? How do you, what's the first step you take to kind of rectify that? Um, well, I had, um, you know, and you mentioned coaching. I had the the, the fortune of, of working with a coach to start to, um, you know, realize like, okay, I could use some support with this and, and, and help thinking through this. Um, and so being willing to, to, to do that, some inner work and it's like, look at, at yourself and say, okay, well, you know, one, what does success mean to me? And, and it takes so long to even ask that question. We, we, we kind of go through so much of life without thinking about that. Um, and now one of the things I use, you know, I, I suggest to my clients is that, um, to, 
it's, it's called the eulogy exercise. Um, it's something I picked up from uh, Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy, who are in the coaching space, but it's also something one of my Harvard professors recommended for one of our assignments, um, Tal Ben-Shahar. So he's a positive psychology professor. Um, it might be something Michael Gell recommends too. Anyway, you essentially imagine yourself kind of as a spectator at your own funeral and think, like, what do I want people to have said about me? What do I want my eulogy to be like? What's the impact that I want to have had on other people, on, you know, different groups of people, on your, your partner, on your kids, on your friends, on your coworkers, on your clients? What do you want them to say about you? Um, and, and having that kind of end in mind of like, okay, it's probably not he had the sickest car on the block, you know, it, it's like, he made me feel really good when I was around him or he, you know, he was a friend that I could count on or whatever. And having that clarity and realizing these things that I was chasing for happiness, these things that like I thought I had to get to reach some certain status are actually not that important when you zoom out and look at the big picture of, of like, you know, we only get so many years here and, and what do I want to fill them with? What kind of person do I want to be? What was the answer for you? Um, kind of that, that, that same thing of like just a good person, right? Like someone that, 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 um, and I, I wrote down my eulogy. I, I, it was funny. I actually had done this in high school as part of a project too. And to be able to go back and look at that and say, holy shit, a lot of this is like, like this, I've been subconsciously working on this for the past, wow. <laughs> past 15 similar. years. Oh yeah. That was nuts. Um, but, but it, it, it's, it's all relationships. It's like, I wanted to be someone that, that people considered to be one of their best friends, um, that, that they could count on to, um, elevate them and lift them up and help them have higher quality of life. And at the same time, you know, in a dream scenario, it's having some sort of, of big impact on the global community at large. Um, kind of, a, a, a species wide, we're all in this together. So let's, let's just try being nice to each other and get along. Yeah, that's perfect. You, you mentioned coaching, so you, you made the transition. Obviously, that was a part of um, your plan to find happiness or more fulfillment was to leave trading and go into uh, coaching, or was it not so linear? Kind of. Kind of. It, it wasn't quite so linear. Um, so I, I, um, I'd always thought I wanted to do coaching and, and had, had been in that role for a long time, um, although not necessarily thought it was something that I would ever do as a profession. Um, and I think, you know, like a similar story to many people, it's like they were the people were coming to them for advice and friends were always coming to me for advice and guidance. And I was even getting involved with a couple friends, businesses and giving them, you know, professional advice and, and having a big impact in that way. Um, but wanting to keep trading because the money was good and, and I liked, I liked the competitive aspect of it. It, it kept, it was exciting, um, and so I tried to do do it kind of on the side for a long time, and then um, went through periods of promotions and stuff at work, and had more and more opportunity. But the markets also got more competitive and more challenging, and, and had a couple cycles where I was I would do really well and then do really poorly, um, and started to realize that I just wasn't feeling as fulfilled from trading as I wanted to be, or as I as I was from some of this this other stuff that I was doing, and. Um, 
you know, have conversations with my wife, like, why am I not, why am I not quitting? Um, why am I not leaving to do this? Um, and the answer was fear. Like I was, I was afraid and that's, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to have the courage to, to leave something that, that has so many good things going for it. Um, and ultimately I got fired, which was, which was the greatest day. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think I should probably say my wedding day was the greatest day of my life, but, <laughs> but, um, getting fired was professionally the best thing that ever happened. And I think, um, you know, it's funny. I just, I mentioned that conversation from earlier today, but, um, he was asking me questions about that. And I said, I think that, that, um, you know, the owner of the company came around and I'd always been, you know, really positive and engaged. And I think he just saw that, that, um, I'd kind of had enough and I was, I was, I was beaten down. Um, and yeah, so, so that, that launched the, the coaching practice full time. Um, and it had been kind of this, this side project for years that, that I, you know, wasn't charging for, but, but had kind of contracts set up, um, and it was getting my feet wet. And then I had my, my first, um, full-time paying client, on a, a very premium rate, uh, two days later, um, and have just done so much inner work. Um, and, and it's been a realizing my own ability to provide powerful service and astonishing, astonishing service to my clients. Um, and, and trusting, trusting that knowing that, you know, uh, I've been doing it full time for a year and I've had a ton of success with it, but it's not something that, that started last year. It's something that I've been building and, and working on for the past decade, if not my entire life. Very early on trading, I, I started realizing that if I wanted to keep trading, I need to manage my stress um, because I saw a lot of the older guys in the industry who um, – weren't quite as good at managing their stress. And I realized that, that if I wanted a career, I had to get good at that. And so I started really consciously working on, um, techniques for, for, for helping me to be a good person while continuing to, to succeed as a trader. Um, things like meditating or getting consi consistent workouts or journaling and just doing periods of reflection or, um, you know, personal growth exercises or, taking, taking some time to recover and taking my days off, um, all sorts of things just to, just to, you know, to be a good person. And then also had this realization that, uh, if I wanted to learn everything that, that I wanted to know, um, I needed to get really, really good at learning because there's just, there's not enough, there's not enough days in a lifetime to read all of the brilliant works that are out there. So it took some speed reading courses, took some optimal learning and memory optimization courses, and then just started diving into online education, which is just such an incredible resource. And one year I took something like 50 classes online on everything from astronomy to quantum mechanics to astrophysics and philosophy to like project management and accounting and, and, um, you know, psychology or, or whatever. One class was about play and, and like, <laughs> just across the board, not knowing where it would take me, but knowing that I had this deep, deep desire for learning and deep desire for improving myself and also a willingness to share, share my experiences and talk about things that people don't normally talk about. Um, and that put me in a position to, you know, be really, really well prepared when I launched my own business and being in a place where I, I could have just add tremendous value to some of my clients. Um, 
and help them look at situations in ways that maybe they hadn't or, or offer a perspective that was unique. Um, and yeah, so it's been, it's been, it's been a fun ride. I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, go for uh, it. <laughs> just, nothing, nothing's off limits. <laughs> perfect. Uh, backtracking a little bit, so just the, the point where you you let you know, which eventually led to you getting fired, uh, and the fear, like you said, the fear around leaving. Just take me through that period in a little bit more detail. So, I'm assuming that you said getting fired was the best day of your life, but that was probably in hindsight, right? Not actually at the time. Or were you pretty happy um, at the time? No. So, so um, I, I want to say at, at the time, and I want to say it was probably one of the easiest conversations that they'd had to make. Right. Um, and look, I, I, and I felt guilt about it for a long time. And I thought that I had failed for a long time. And I viewed it as a failure for mm-hmm. a long time because I'd wanted to go out on different terms. You know, I wanted to, to get that paycheck that would – set me up for the rest of my life. So I like, don't have to worry about money. Right. And that's not how it happened. Um, and, um, and, and I, and I, I was focused till the end on doing a great job for the company and doing as best as I could for the company. Um, and so, so there, there certainly, it wasn't like a, like a, like a wahoo. Um, but, but there was very much a moment of, of, I want to say, um, liberation, like, like this weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. Um, the day actually, and, and it's a funny, I'll try and try and keep it really brief here. I know I've just been, been yapping. Um, I, I had a nightmare on the night before that I was getting yelled at by, by the the owners of the company. Um, and I was in an office that wasn't exactly like the office, but I kind of sat there calmly and responded at what I was looking at in the markets and what I'd been looking for. And, and they kept saying like, good, good, like great job, way to go, like awesome. Um, and so then I felt good, but I, I woke up, I had this really weird, really, really just, just bad feeling. You know, you wake up some days and you just, you have this, this bad feeling and you, and you can't shake it. Um, it was one of those things I woke up just in like this terrible mood. My wife was out of town on business, so, um, I had to walk the dog. So got up early, walked the dog. I'd scheduled morning workouts cause we like to have morning workouts to get that endorphin boost, um, through the rest of the day. And typically, you know, no matter what kind of a mood I'm in after, and this was boxing. So I had an, an hour of hitting the heavy bag, just beating the shit out of the heavy bag. And I still had this, this, this negative energy that I couldn't kick, got home. My elevator was broken. So I had to climb 15 flights of stairs to take the elevator back all the way to my, to my unit. Um, you know, cold shower. And then I, I meditated on the bus on the way into work all these things that, that I use to kind of prime my state to be in a, a just really peak performing throughout the day. And I still had this, this feeling that I could not shake of, of just like negative, whatever. Wow, um, that's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And then, and then got to the, got a call saying, stop by the back office, went up there, um, could kind of tell right away. And as soon as they said, you know, the decision was made that it's time to part ways, um, that negative feeling like instantly lifted. Wow. Um, so it, it, it's the weirdest thing, um, where somehow some part of me knew like (laughs) waking up that, 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 that was happening. Um, and then, and then it, it lifted. So yeah. You mentioned fear. So you said like the fear of losing that income and just the fear of losing what that job meant, the identity, Mm -hmm. I guess that it was. So yeah. And the week after the weeks after, I know you picked up a client pretty quickly, but did any of that were any of those fears realized at all? 
Um, no, I mean they were all in my head. <laughs> yeah, wow. As 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 I think most fears are, and and um, I had this fear of of not being able to introduce myself because you know like being a commodity trader is like this sexy title that that people are always like, oh, that sounds exciting, and um, yeah, not being able to say like, Wolf oh, of Wall Street type of thing yeah. in my head. Um, and, and I thought, shit, I can't, I, you know, I can't. Do I want to get another job in finance? And I, I felt pretty confident about my ability to to do that, but um, it, it wasn't what was you know exciting me. And it turned out that the thing that I was afraid of most was was the relationships that I had from trading, um, both with you know the people at at, at my firm and, and my um, managers and the owners of the company and the people that I'd worked with. Um, what I was most afraid of is that is that that they would they would look at me poorly um, and would kind of lose respect in the eyes of people that I knew. Um, and that totally turned out to be like totally unfounded too, which, which was, um, something that I worked through over the next couple of months. I would just have conversations with people and everyone, everyone still held me just in super high regard. And that was really, uh, really, really cool. It's amazing how those fears can be so paralyzing yet be completely unfounded. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a cool um, joke. It, it, it is. And, and, you know, I, I have this journal practice and I'm constantly writing my thoughts into the journal um, and just kind of doing like a brain download. And it it that's something that, that pops up like time and time again is like I'm afraid of something and I'll write about it for a period of time. And then I end up actually taking action um, and being like, well, looks like the fear was totally silly and all made up in your head and you should have just taken the action anyway. Um, anything from like, you know, talking to my wife about something, um, and afraid of how they're going to take it or like, um, you know, talking with the manager, whatever. Yeah. What are you afraid of now? Um, in this moment, I actually feel like I'm in a pretty good spot. I think, uh, I'm afraid as I, as I kind of always am of not living up to my potential. Um, I'm afraid of, of something that I think is kind of universal and that's of not being enough of not being, you know, blank enough, whether it's good enough or worthy enough or successful enough or whatever. Um, which I think ultimately boils down to like, I'm afraid of, of, of not being loved. Um, kind of this, this, but that's, I suppose, into the deep end. Yeah, for me, it's the same same thing, and it just it catches me out at times. Like I'll wake up in the morning, and just straight away be thinking, "Fuck, I gotta, I gotta be someone. <laughs> I gotta make something in my life. I gotta, I gotta do more. I gotta be more." And it's kind of the sneaky little thought that creeps into my head at the start of the day. And if I don't capture that through meditation and state change and just relax that feeling, which ultimately comes from that feeling of not being worthy of having to do more or be more or yeah, work harder to be someone to be worthy. That's something yeah. that's how it kind of comes up for me. It comes up for me as a feeling of like, holy shit, like I'm falling behind in this, whatever this self-created competition is that I've, I've got in my head mm -hmm. that I'm falling behind in. And I really mm -hmm. have to be conscious of it. Fortunately, I am conscious of it now and I can go, oh, that's a sneaky thought. That's not true. I'm not falling behind. It's not a competition. I am worthy. I'm loved. Whew. 
Okay. We can carry <laughs> yeah. on with our day and like enjoy the moment. Yeah, and I I love the awareness that you have of, of like, you know, being able to recognize that thought and and realize that like it's not just because it's a thought doesn't mean that it's true. Um, and it's 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 you know it, it seems like such a silly thing, but it, it it just can make such a big impact of like really like there's always going to be somebody higher than you or smarter than you or more wealthy than you or prettier than you or like whatever. And there's an unlimited amount of opportunities to prove to yourself that, that you're not blank enough. Um, and we'll just, you know, we'll keep, we'll do that for circles forever. If, if, if we let ourselves, um, how does it present for you that, that fear of not reaching your potential or on a, a more micro level, how does that present? Um, so last year, my, 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 my theme for the year was playful. Um, and I feel like currently I'm in this, in this fun place where when I notice it, um, I'm able to kind of be playful with it and, and just kind of say like, Hey fear, I, I see you. Um, and, and, sometimes to come to it and, and not take action or not have that conversation. But what I try to do more often now is like when I see it, which could be anything from, you know, smiling and saying hi to a stranger in the street to like asking for a, a, a discount on my coffee or, um, whatever. Um, typically a lot of the times it's after a conversation with a client. I'm, I'm, I'm always like, was that good enough? Did I was did I provide enough service? Was that valuable enough? Did they get out of it what they were looking for? Um, and I had periods where where I'd say like shit, I, I should have done this. I really fucked that up. Like I wish I would have said this. And then, you know, I think that was the worst conversation that I've ever had. And the <laughs> client will email me two days later and say that was such an amazing conversation. I've had these incredible breakthroughs and yada yada yada. And it's like dude, stop judging. Like <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to be judging. Like you're a terrible judge of that. Um, it's funny, you know, um, I heard, so Oprah gave a commencement speech. I want to say to uh, Stanford university graduate school, one of the graduate schools. And she said that every single guest that comes on her show says the same thing when the, when the cameras stop rolling, no matter, you know, if it's Beyonce or Tom Cruise or anybody on her show, whenever the camera stopped, they say, was I good enough? Wow. Uh, That's incredible. Yeah. It's a human trait. It, it is. And it's, it's to, to recognize that and then have a little bit of patience with yourself and like, um, compassion for yourself when, when, when you're feeling that too and knowing like, cool, this is normal. This, <laughs> everybody does this. Um, maybe I, I don't have to beat myself up about, about it. Maybe I can just, just choose to have a little space and say, okay, I get that. I, I may be feeling some fear right now, but I'm going to take action anyway, or, um, maybe I'm going to nurture myself. Maybe I'm going to, you know, give myself five minutes to, to sit there and just breathe and meditate a little bit or go for a run and work it out or, or do something, um, without, without saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a failure because, because I feel this way. This is, this is not a common thing for men to be able to do easily though, right? 
like um, to, to love yourself, to have compassion for yourself, to take care of yourself. That feels unnatural in a way. Yeah, I, I think you know, I think women do a much better job of it than than men do, and 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 they even struggle sometimes. I think our society, um, the story that we're told doesn't doesn't prioritize that. Although I think. I hope that it's shifting. I think that it is shifting. Um, and that, you know, the science is coming out now where we like science and we like the data to prove things. Um, but the science is showing that like peak performers are doing that. The people who are at the top of their fields and, and who are, who are, you know, success in that stereotypical definition of, of the word, they're taking the time to, to meditate. They're taking professional athletes sleep on average, like eight to 10 hours a night. Um, they prioritize sleep because they know to be on their game, like they have to be rested. There's a that famous 10,000 hour rule study, um, which many are familiar, Gladwell popularized it. Um, of the, re- the original research was Anders Ericsson. And it's, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert in your field. And the number doesn't matter. What's really more important is a purposeful practice. But the caveat to that is, you know, in the, in the data that Gladwell pulled, it's for violinists and they showed that, you know, people who were in the, the, the school for, um, to be violinists, the experts had 10,000 hours of practice. But the, the thing that they didn't highlight was that they also averaged eight hours and 36 minutes of sleep, <laughs> which is, you know, more sleep than, than, um, most people most typically people, do. For sure. Yeah. So, so I, I think, I think it's tough. I think we have this, this macho stereotype of like, you know, men don't cry and, and you're weak if you're taking care of yourself and not just able to grind it out. And, you know, the, perhaps the, the, the best example of that is like the Marines, um, or these elite military units where, to be honest, part of me wishes that I'd like gone through that sort of training. Cause, cause like those guys are badass, Right. And I want to <laughs> see if it like, there's a, something in that, that calls me, but, um, they also are not like totally nuts all the time. They, they recognize the importance of recovery. So they'll do two weeks in the field where they're kind of little sleep and, and all these other really challenging things. And they're able to do that, but then they let themselves recover. Um, and they know the importance of not doing that all the time. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a tough thing, but it, but it's, it's, it's absolutely necessary. Um, so t- give me the, the snapshot of Michael coming up to the end of his trading career with feeling a bit empty, feeling like something's missing to today. What, what's the difference? Um, <laughs> the biggest differences are all internal, I think. Mm. Um, and it's, and it's, um, being open, um, you know, sharing kind of what, I, what I'm thinking, having compassion for myself. Um, it's been, on, on the other hand, like taking more ownership of the skills that I do have and of the strengths that I do have because we're, we're taught, you know, not just to be these strong men, badass, whatever, but we're also taught like you have to be humble. And I think that that's often a crutch sometimes of like, we, we don't allow ourselves to recognize our own strengths and the things that we're good at. Um, it's a big thing in New Zealand. I don't know if you noticed that when you visited, but to be humble, that's one of our 
most coveted traits. We love someone that's super successful but wears uh, the same clothes that he used to wear and uh, is <laughs> super modest and doesn't really talk up his success. That's, that's something that we love in New Zealand. Yeah, and I, and I like... I I think humility is really important, but I think it can also be, you know, the person that says, oh, I'm so humble. It's like, well, I don't know if it's actually humble to be saying that you're humble or, <laughs> or, or, or like people who strive to be humble for the point of like being looked at as, you know, exemplary. Um, that's, that's kind of a, a, a difference too. And, and, um, so how do you make the distinction between, being proud of your self and say arrogance. Yeah. Um, I think having, having there, there is a difference between confidence and arrogance, um, or, or being proud, um, and being boastful. Um, and it's tough to describe, but I think that, that most people can kind of see it or hear it or, or sense it or feel it when someone's, um, you know, one way or the other. Um, and I almost want to say that might be something to it of like how other people feel when you're talking about something. Um, the feeling that, that you get in, in an experience with someone, um, where you can just sense like this person's talking down to me or this person's throwing out these names or whatever to, to build themselves up versus like, this person's legitimately trying to help me and trying to have a positive impact on my life, even if it's just a, a suggestion or a recommendation. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? How's that land? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's. I think you're absolutely right. It is. I think it's the difference between. Yeah, you made the the point about being boastful, but having that inner confidence. I, I was watching this Michael Bernard Beckwith video the other day, and he talks about when you. When you're confident in yourself and you have your beliefs are very strong, you don't need to convince anybody else. You don't need to share it. You you just hold those beliefs and that confidence within. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to what you said a little bit. You can experience someone that's confident that doesn't tell you how how great they are and be that boastful. So I think mm-hmm. it's almost like building that that inner that uh, inner confidence and that inner pride it's kind of what you're talking about does that sound right yeah um i love i love the reverend um he's awesome he just every yeah. time i watch one of his videos i just i'm smiling he's funny <laughs> i think he, he 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 has a great line like even enlightened beings burn their bagels once in a while <laughs> <laughs> like like even you know enlightened the, the the kind of epitome of 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 humanity like they're not perfect either. <laughs> yeah. I love that uh, quote. If you think that you're enlightened, go home. <laughs> yeah. Spend a week with your parents. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I, I think that's right too. And that, that, that if, if you're trying to convince someone of your greatness, um, that's, that's, that's boasting. Um, if you're confident in your abilities, um, and, trying to use those to lift other people and, and to generally like use those skills and give, give your greatest gifts and greatest strengths in service. Um, that's, that's not, and it's almost, it, 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 it almost takes 
takes humility to be willing to do that, um, to be willing to not not have this stereotype of humbleness um, and hide behind that. But like, okay, look, I, I've I've been given a certain opportunities due to you know my background or whatever, um, and I'm not going to shy away from using that um, and, and taking what I have been given to try and cause a, a positive impact on on you know, whether it's society at large or just the person that I'm talking to or my next door neighbor or the, the person that serves me coffee or whatever. Hmm. Was there a time when you were arrogant? Uh, oh, for sure. Um, it, it, I think high school, um, was very arrogant and, 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 used it as a coping mechanism because I was, I was not confident. Um, I, I had a lot of, of self doubt. I had a lot of, of issues that I, that I didn't want to look at or didn't want to deal with. And so rather than, than deal with them and be honest, um, I, I was like, Oh, if I just be arrogant and boastful, then people will just assume that I don't, that I've got everything figured out. Um, and then went to Harvard and had this the opposite case of, of like total imposter syndrome, like, whoa, they, they did not know, like, I totally fooled them. I, I do not belong here. I'm, I'm the kind of bottom of the pile. And I even told people, um, I used to have a story that like when they would say, oh my gosh, you go to Harvard. And I said, yeah, I slept with my high school guidance counselor, um, and got her pregnant. So she, she changed my transcripts and that's why, um, <laughs> this this total made up story, but, but like, um, you're, you're there and these, these people have like perfect SAT scores or, you know, perfect test scores or, or these, you know, brilliant, just brilliant minds or, or, or musicians or whatever people that are like at the top and, and the professors are all brilliant. And you just have this sense of like, I, I am, I am not shit. <laughs> um, and so that that really really brought me to to the opposite of arrogance, um, and it took took some time to recognize that like no, I did have something to offer, and I was there for a reason, um, and and it wasn't a mistake, um, and that developed. And then you know I started trading. It was like the same way. I looked around. I thought, God, they made a mistake. Like I should not be here. And and these people all seem so much smarter. And there were you know PhDs or people who had like advanced mathematics and my undergraduate degree was in economics and psychology. Um, but, but looking around the room and like, God, these or, or people that had, you know, previous trading experience. I'm like, man, I do not belong here either. Um, and ended up having a career longer than, you know, 90, 95% of the people in the room. Wow. It's a common story I hear in flying as well with pilots. <laughs> you get that first job in a big airline and then you spend the first six months waiting for someone to walk in the cockpit and go, hey, actually, we made a mistake. You don't belong here. You're an idiot. Get the fuck out of this cockpit. You, this is not for you. Um, yeah. The game's up. The game's up. Yeah, and you're just sort of sitting there going, geez, when am I going to get found out? Like, this is crazy. They've given me this airplane to fly. Same thing for coaches as well, right? The imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I think, I think there's this advice that's like fake it till you make it. And I think that's, that's not great advice either. Right. And it's not about over, overestimating your abilities. And, and 
I know certainly in like American society, like we're brought up of like, you know, 12th place gets a medal and like <laughs> everybody's the best. And, you know, you do a poll and like everybody thinks they're above average, which just statistically is not possible because wow. that's not, that's not how averages work. Um, I and so there's admire a ten- that though. <laughs> yeah. There's admire the enthusiasm. Of, yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. No, I know that average doesn't work, but like, seriously, I'm above average. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they measured it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a tendency to like overinflate, right. And, and, and try and paint this perfect life on, on social media or, or exaggerate our own abilities. And that's, that's dangerous. Um, but I, I think the, the opposite is, is equally dangerous of like underpainting your abilities, um, and, and not being kind of honest. And so finding that sweet spot, that virtuous mean right in the middle of like actually looking, where am I? Um, how am I doing on this particular thing? What, what skills do I need to improve on? What skills do I have already? And, you know, I think that's coaching has been a, a, an incredible vehicle for me to get more clarity. It's something I'm, I'm proud to be able to offer my clients of really just saying, okay, where are we right now? Um, because if you can't get to right now and if you can't get to, to the present and have kind of an objective unbiased view, um, then, then you're not creating the right plan for how to improve the future. And you're not, you're not able to, to go in the direction that you want to go. I love Byron Katie. I don't know if you've read the work, but it's that amazing book where she's just in love with reality. She's in love with dealing with what is real and just stripping everything back and all the stories back and all the shit that you tell yourself and just going, well, what, what's the truth? What is the truth here? And that's a tool that's been amazing for me in my coaching is just going, right, what is the truth? And you know, a lot of people are scared of the truth. I'm scared of the truth sometimes. It's the reason we don't get on the scales. Well, we know we're overweight, but we don't get on the <laughs> scales because it's not true until we get on the scales. Or we know there's we have something, we're sick or there's something wrong with us, but we don't go to the doctor because we don't want the truth to start yet. Um, yeah. But really peeling it back to find the truth, good or bad. Hey, I'm weak in this area. Actually, I'm quite good in this area and realizing what's the truth and sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about what what process would you use to help someone find out hey what is the honest truth not being arrogant and not understanding myself but here's the reality of who i am yeah um and that 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 that's it like that's everything right and even going back to earlier in the con and i'll i'll answer your question um i promise thank you (laughs) (laughs) Um, but 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 you know, thinking back to earlier in the conversation, like these fears, right? Um, oftentimes, it's a fear of the truth, uh, of of not wanting to know what the truth is, and it's the reason why a lot of people don't look at their bank statements because they're like, they're they're afraid of it, um, yeah. or they or like you said, they don't look at the scale. Um, but having that that knowledge, knowledge of the truth, like that gives you the power to say, okay, cool, this is where I am today. Um, you know, like like. Uh, a GPS to work needs needs three things, right? You need the destination, where you're headed, and then you need where you are right now, um, and then the directions between between the two. Um, and if if you have inaccurate location for where you are right now, the GPS is not going to work. Um, it'll, it it just won't take you to the right place because it doesn't know where you are. But if it if it's connected, right, like updating the route, updating the route. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter what the story is, 
you can create a, a more empowered and more positive future. But you have to have that that knowledge of okay, where am I right now? Um, to face that fear of the truth if it's there. And um, I think you know you, you asked the question of what are some of the tools that I use, um, and it's there are so many of them because it's so important. Um, and I, at, a, at a very basic level, you know, meditation um, or, or some sort of mindfulness practice where you're just just looking at your thoughts, right? Able to have that awareness of of oh, I'm I'm scared of this, or like oh, um, that wasn't a nice thing to say, or like oh yeah, I I am overweight and and I want to to correct it in this way. Um, and then you know I used a, a journal in the same kind of way of like downloading my thoughts onto the page um they there's a famous um saying that that you know you don't know what you think until you actually try and write it um and i think for me that's that's a a piece of like trying to find the truth of my thoughts and i i use you know the journal for part of that i use my coach for part of that because oftentimes having someone who's able to hold space and reflect back to us um, and have a conversation and ask questions to to help us get more clarity on the truth of where we're at or the truth of what we're thinking um, is, is just invaluable because we've we've got so much shit that 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 it's tough to see our own lives sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. You talked about as well when you went on your own coaching journey doing the deep inner work, which is a phrase I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean? Um, I, I think it means for me bringing that, that awareness, bringing that truth to, to your mind, to your thoughts, to your beliefs. Um, I think, um, Probably the best example is for me is triggers, um, and this is uh, from shadow shadow work. But it's essentially when I get triggered, or when I get angry, or when I get frustrated um, <laughs> after that period of of negative response that I'm trying to reduce. Of like, you know, somebody <laughs> says something that triggers me, and I curse at them and and feel anger or whatever. Um, <laughs> after <laughs> after that, that I'm that I'm working on. To, to be able to take that step back and say, what, what was it about this situation that upset me? Um, you know, why did that make me angry? Okay. My, my wife speaks to me in a certain way. Like, what is it about that? That's making me frustrated. And then not expecting the world to change. Um, you know, not trying to teach a cat how to bark, but, but looking at and saying, okay, what can I change about this situation? Um, and that's, you know, from, from the Stoics to the serenity prayer of, of accept the things I cannot change and change the things I can. You know, for me, the inner work is, is being really, really clear on doing that, that work to, to change your own mind and to change your own perspective and to change your own beliefs instead of expecting everybody else to conform to the world that you, the way that you think it should be. Yeah, that's right. And it all starts with that awareness and it's it's finding those tools to to get awareness. How can I you know, what does that even mean? Just to take a step back, but that's becoming aware of how you're being in the world, right? How you're thinking, how you're showing up, how you're reacting, 
what's real, mm. what's not real, what are you creating in your mind? And yeah. for me, and I think you too, meditation has been such a huge, huge tool in this area. Yeah, so big. I actually just published a book on Amazon about meditation, um, which w- just tries to take it and make it super simple for people and say, like, this is not some crazy thing that, that you need to go to the Himalayas to do, but this is this tool that 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 everybody is using. Um, but I think to, 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 to rewind just a second and, and go back to a point that you just made is um, being willing to share to your experiences with other people and, and being, having this knowledge that like, look, we've all got shit that we're dealing with. None of us are perfect and we're all doing the best that we can. And above average, but not perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, so many times, um, you know, I'll have a conversation with someone or, or, or they'll say like, Oh, I have this, this big fear. And I thought it was just me. And I thought, you know, I was the only person that felt this way. And, you know, has anyone else ever experienced this? And nine out of 10 people, <laughs> if not 10 out of 10 yeah. people will raise their hand like, yeah, I have that too. And the um, other one guy is dishonest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so knowing that, that like other people are struggling with these things too, and that's just a part of being human. And, and I think, especially for men, like having the willingness to you know, I think when you think about your, your best relationships, your kind of closest guy friends, um, even the guys that are like, you know, your bros, your man buddies, for most of them, they will, it's, it'll be on the back of some of those more vulnerable conversations and willing to talk about things kind of in this, in this open way. And that, that creates this, this human connection, this, this strong bond. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talking about, friends relationships tell me a little bit more about your wife she's had a big impact on you oh yeah she's a saint she she um i i certainly would not be the person that i am today um without her you know my parents have had a big impact obviously i think my wife has had um an even bigger one um and that's she kind of got uh, you know me to start with and and um, has just been super willing to be supportive with me as I as I have kind of my um, my own journey. Um, and for me, it's been a process of learning how to communicate what I'm feeling more and not, you know, I have that that typical tendency to when I'm feeling uh, hurt or afraid or upset or anything else, just withdraw into the cave and say, you know, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's wrong at all <laughs> when there's something wrong. And um but, but we met um, almost 10 years ago um, in Spain. It was a study abroad program. And um, she's just been such, such, a, such an ally and willing to support me and, and help, help grow with me. And, and you know, we, we, we work out together, um, which I think has been, been a real blessing. And I'll go to Pilates class, which, by the way, is really, really hard. Um, <laughs> And, and she'll come, you know, sling some kettlebells. Um, so we're doing all sorts of different, different workouts and such. And, um, I was in a meditation before she was, and she was kind of iffy about it, but she's got a practice now. And, um, having, having a partner who, you know, isn't just kind of someone that, that, that you love and, and makes you feel good right now, but also has a similar, similar desire to grow. Um, and, and wants to head in a similar direction in the future, I I think is almost more important. And I've just been so blessed, 
um, so blessed to have that. Yeah, you touched, that's an amazing point you just touched on there. And a lot of people ask me, how do I know I'm with the right person? And the best answer I've found recently is, are you growing together? Like as a bit of a catch-all. Because you can have different interests. You can have completely different interests, like opposites attract. That's why we, we love someone. But is one of you staying still while the other one is growing? in the relationship or even outside of the relationship are you growing together and man i think that's so so important i i yeah i remember i went on um with with um one of my first coaches i went on kind of a a a seven day um wilderness intensive where we went out to the woods of northern california um and and trained trained in Aikido, which is a martial art and did some meditation, some, you know, just really powerful conversations, a lot, a lot of, of deep work. And, and he made the point of like, you know, um, a lot of my clients will struggle often when one of the, the partners is, is really into growth and doing this type of work and it creates distance in the relationship because the other, the other person isn't interested in, in that type of growth yeah they're um, happy with it right yeah and no, no matter no matter how perfect you are right now um if if one person's not moving then then that's going to create some space and by the flip side it's like no matter how much space is in between you right now if you're willing to move in the same direction um then then you can work on it right um Totally. And I think that's a tough conversation sometimes, you know, when you have to say, hey, are you, I'm going in this direction. Are you coming with me? Mm-hmm. And, and um, that, that recognizing of like, we've all got our wounds, we've all got our triggers, we've all got shit that we picked up from our parents who picked up from their parents and no one did it intentionally, but that's just the nature of the human condition and, and how we're brought into this world and um, creating that space and having that intention of, of, you know, my wife and I have had lots of difficult conversations um, and I'm, I'm often afraid of them um, or, or we'll, we'll put off having them. And, sure. but, but then to, to say like, look, the reason that I'm having this conversation in the first place is because I love it when we're clicking or I love it when, when we have this problem solved and I just, I want us to be at this place in our relationship of, you know, whatever. Um, and I'd like your help in in getting there. And I know that you want that too. And and it scares me to talk about this, this way, or like, I'm worried about saying sometimes what I think because I I don't want to hurt your feelings or whatever, but coming from that place of, of, I'm doing this because I care about you and because when I think about my future, I want you in it and I want our shared life to be this certain way. And that's the art of communication, right? Like I'm sure that's where all your work has been on to be able to say something like that and I'm sure it doesn't go perfectly every time but that's <laughs> that's what you have to learn to say, isn't it? Hey, this is my truth. Uh, I love you and I do want to be with you but this is my truth right now and we need to discuss it. And there's a difference between being honest and being an asshole, but yeah. you know, sharing your truth uh, with compassion, that that's communication, right? 
Yeah. And, and then being willing to, to recognize when you've like misstepped because like there's lots of times where I was, and, and I'm better at it now. Um, but there's lots of times where you're in the conversation and I'll be like, fuck you. Like, like I'm, you know, that's never a good idea. <laughs> um, and, and it, it, it doesn't ever get there, um, anymore. Um, and, and I'm, you know, maybe happened a few times, but, but that type of sentiment where you say something where, where, the intention behind the words is to cause harm, is to cause hurt. Pain, yeah. um, and, and you can see it. And to, to to recognize when you do something that does that, even if it was your intention or even if you it was unintentional or unconscious, and, and to apologize. Um, and uh, one of the it's things... It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. And, and, you know, one of the things, probably like one of the best, best, I don't know if we... If we learn this from someone. I don't know if we just figured it out, but like, um, sometimes it's not the right space to have a conversation. And rather than continue to like bang your heads against the wall, it's like, look, it's important to me to get to a solution for this, but right now is not the right time. So let's come back. Like, let's step away for a little bit, recharge energetically. Um, I, I, I can't count the number of arguments that we've had, um, that ended up boiling down to like, Oh shit. Like, I'm just hungry right now. Like I'm at, not actually mad at you or like <laughs> I'm, I'm just tired right now cause I only got two hours of sleep or, or, or whatever. But like we get into these arguments because we're not aware of, of, yeah, of so our pointless. own physical state. It's like, well, shit, maybe I should have just eaten. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the funny thing. Like we're, we're all, when you look at babies and a baby's crying, you go, why is that baby upset? Has it had enough sleep? Have we fed it lately? <laughs> you know, but we, we forget to do that as adults, right? When someone's really shitty or grumpy, we go, well, have you slept enough? Have you eaten today? What's going on? <laughs> and so many times, it, and, and not to say that like, that's all the conflict, right? No. There's, there, 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 there's stuff. But even if you enter into a conversation or you're feeling vulnerable right or, or or hurt or afraid like take care of yourself first because it's going to result in a better conversation it's going to result in a better outcome totally the, the the hard lesson i've learned is when you're dealing with that kind of high performance type or ambitious person or even to someone that's going through a lot of changes like you're leaving one career to go into the other you have to be very patient with your partner because that's a lot of change to deal with. And although you're thinking about it all day and you're jumping around and going, oh, maybe I'll be a coach. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe, well, we should move to Costa Rica. Whatever, you're having those conversations, but your partner's not necessarily involved in those. So one thing I've had to learn is just to be really patient, not share everything, every idea and every thought that I've had that comes <laughs> into my head that's overwhelming. But, yeah, just being a little bit more intentional about how I communicate my future, my dreams, my goals, where I think I'm heading. Is that something come up from you or is that a weird thing that just relates to me? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and early on it was like recognizing that at, at, you know, 30 minutes before bed is not the right time to be having a serious conversation. Um, Mm. and, and for me, you know, as I, as I was doing much more coaching, um, realizing that like I'm having these, these really deep, you know, um, emotionally energetic dependent conversations. Um, and that's not necessarily the kind of conversations that everybody wants to have all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, especially, 
you know, after a long day at work where we're, we're all doing things. And so recognizing that like, okay, maybe it's time to recharge, um, and, and not talk about like greatest visions and dreams and aspirations and, and, and personal development and all this shit all the time. Um, but say, okay, like create some space. Like today we're going to put on a funny movie and like get some popcorn and just chill out and be present and love each other. Um, I think it's a, a, a coach thing as well. We get so used to having long, deep conversations with people every day that it's, it's not that big a deal for us to have a deep conversation, but you know, not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. I had, I, I, there's a couple lines I remember from my journal. Um, one of which is like, like, you don't always have to, to play in the deep, like come up to the surface too. Um, like, like it's fun to be on the surface sometimes and on the waves. Like, yeah, I have to come up to breathe. Yeah. Um, um and, and then go for it. No, I was going to change the direction of something else. Oh, um, no, I was just going to, to go back to like the beginning of the conversation and, and, um, success, right. And it's like work hard all the time. Um, you know, for us, it's coaching in these deep conversations, um, and, and, you know, powerful conversations and and service. But for, for other people, oftentimes it's like nonstop, you know, go, 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 close the next deal, um, Mm -hmm. do the next case, whatever. And, and like they're, they're in the deep of, of that. And it's just as important to, to come up to the surface, um, for those things too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The meditation thing, I just want to come back and and, uh, talk about your book. I had a read of your book and it was awesome. And I love the title. It's called Meditation, What, Why, and How to Meditate. Hint, Breathe In, Breathe Out. (laughs) It's the coolest title. I laughed. I got a kick out of that when I read it. Cool. And you said, you know, the reason you wrote the book was because there's obviously a lot of information on meditation out there, but not a lot of just good short succinct guides on what works what doesn't works and what doesn't work and how to how to start a meditation practice and Mm -hmm. i love the book it was funny it was thoughtful it was incredibly informative i honestly agree with everything in there and thanks man yeah you're welcome and at the end you talked about uh the different types of meditation what are some of the different sort of types of meditation that maybe people haven't tried or haven't thought about um well, the easiest one, the one that I kind of highlight throughout the book and, and even that title there is just like just breathing, just focusing on your breath. Um, and people, you know, I think that the, the um, Sanskrit word or, or whatever is Vipassana, um, but it just essentially is like bring your focus to your breath and you can count the number of breaths. So inhale, exhale, count to one, inhale, exhale, count to two. You can count like count to four on the inhale Hold it for two, and then exhale for six. But just just breathing, um, and and gi- giving yourself some space to like, cool. This is this is this is this is what being alive is like, <laughs> breathing. Um, and that's that's one way to do it, and probably the, probably the easiest way I think to get started. Um, I. I think, you know, if I think to my personal practice today, I probably did four or five different kinds of meditation. Um, I've got a headband that, that reads my brainwaves and gives me feedback. 
So if my brain's kind of active, then the, the feedback is this like stormy weather. Um, and then as I, I get into a calmer state, it, it, it's like gentler and there's waves lapping on the beach. Um, and so to have that tool to, you know, for, for me to kind of recognize like, Oh, my thoughts are in this place. Or when I think in this certain way, there's audio tracks you can plug in. Headspace is a great one where it'll kind of guide you, just kind of tell you what to think about or, or just keep reminding you like, Hey, if your thoughts have gone away from you, like, cool, bring them back to the, the object of your attention. Um, there's even some audio tracks where they, they help your brain sync up. Um, kind of like, you know, like a, a, a fishing bobber goes up and down on the water at, at the same rate that like the waves are coming through. So they'll help your brain sync up to a certain energetic state in the same way by, by playing different frequency tracks in each ear. Um, and then our brains do this weird thing where we combine them, um, and kind of sit in that middle state. Um, those are called binaural beats. Um, there's chanting, there's, um, you know, lots of lots, any exercise can be a mindfulness kind of practice. If you're just present on the exercise and instead of listening to music, when you run, why don't you, you know, pay attention to how your foot feels when it hits the ground or, how your breathing is or how your posture is or, or the sensations or, or even the pain, like, okay, cool. Like I'm feeling a physical sensation of pain. Um, doing the dishes can be a meditation. Gretchen Rubin has this funny line where she said, I found that anything that annoyed me, if I put the word meditation after it just became much more pleasant. So like (laughs) waiting in line at the grocery store, that's your waiting in line meditation or like stuck in traffic that's your stuck in traffic meditation <laughs> that's cool that the headband you talked about that sounds amazing so what, what's that called is that commercially available uh yeah so the, the one i use is called the muse um and there's there's links in the book there's links on my website um choose muse i think is the is their website um and it's it's a couple hundred bucks um it's good for for the type a's who like having that data um and then of course, you have to practice not judging yourself when you don't get, you know, a high enough percentage of calm in meditation. Um, Classic cloud, yeah, type A. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there, there's a couple other versions out there, um, and they're doing doing some really cool stuff with that too. Where where um, I think the the future is going to be in connecting um, connecting that that biofeedback not just to audio but to like um, virtual reality goggles, mm-hmm. right? So there's going to be some some visual component to it as well. Um, oh, it's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard of that before. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. And then, uh, another thing that I've been loving lately is, um, Vishen Lakhiani. has got, uh, he, so he's the finder of founder of mind Valley and he's got this thing called the, the six phase, um, meditation, which goes through, um, different, different components. So it's, it's more kind of guided. There's a, uh, compassion component, um, a gratitude, forgiveness, uh, vision, um, charting your perfect day, and then kind of a blessing. And he, he guides you through each one. And I found that just to be a great way to start the day. Um, mm. Just to put yeah, me Vision's in. an amazing guy. I think yeah. very, very good for type A's as well that want to go, right, I need to tick off. I got to get compassion sorted. I got to get mindfulness. <laughs> you know, just yeah. to like knock off all those things at the start of the day. So... One thing I ask all guys uh, near the end of the interview is about your dark side. It's a little bit more personal, a little bit kind of vulnerable about mm-hmm. um, your dark side. And that's personal for everyone, what that means. But 
what does the dark side mean to you and how do you embrace your own dark side? Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a deep breath and I'm going to um just be with that for a second. Sure. It's not something that um that's talked about a lot, but like you said, every it's one of those things that every guy has and mm-hmm. um I think is a big part of relating to people and a big part of feeling okay and feeling normal is understanding that we all have a dark side. Yeah, and I I I I take that breath and I pause because I want to honor the question and not just give kind of like a a head response, but to really really give give you know a, a true and honest response I to appreciate it. Appreciate that. Um, it's almost like. Um, there, there is no one dark side, right? Like there's a dark side to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, for me, the perfectionism, um, has always been a thing. Um, the, the self-worth issues that there's always been a, a dark side to that. Um, I, I, I'm, I can be my own harshest critic. Um, and I think, um, even in, you know, I talked about earlier, like the triggered responses or the anger. Um, and I, I can, I can be really nasty. Um, and I'm, I'm smart enough and, um, very emotionally aware enough to know how to hurt people. Um, and to be a a total asshole if I, if I let myself, um, and I, I feel very blessed and fortunate to have been working on those things. Um, very consciously for, you know, um, I'd say, I'd say five years, probably, probably two or three years of really, really going into it. Um, and, and trying to, to bring some light to the darkness, um, to the dark side. And, um, you know, last year, another one of my words was authenticity. And I, I wrote a post about, um, you know, what I, what I considered to be like this tell all vulnerability post, And I shared these things that I thought were the worst parts of me. Um, and, and, and the response was like, you know, um, Hey, we feel that too. So, um, thinking about, thinking about my dark side, I think, man, I, I, I feel like I really tried to, to bring it to the light. And I know that there's, there's, probably more down there, um, that, that will continue to surface, you know, as, as, as we go deeper and deeper in this journey. Um, but to try and be, be more compassionate with myself about that. Um, and, and to, to, when it does emerge, um, quickly seek forgiveness from, from those that it might impact, including myself. Mm. Perfectionism is one I, I really relate to, and I think it's tied to that sense of worthiness. If I don't do this perfectly, or if I, I'm not perfect in my relationship, or I don't put out the perfect product, then somehow, you know, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. And trying to rewire that ridiculous thought to say, "Hey, do your best. Doesn't matter what you put out, you're still worthy and you're still lovable." Is um. Yeah, that, that had a huge impact on me. 
and it's a work in progress boy is it a work in progress just uh trying to calm that down Mm -hmm. it yeah it always is right (laughs) it's so um it's 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 so funny i was reading um kind of a commentary on uh, marcus aurelius's meditations and the point was made that like he had to keep repeating the same things over and over and over. Um, and I noticed myself doing that the same thing in my journal. I was like, I'll have to keep reminding myself over and over and over. And every, every morning I actually write, um, I write three things. I write, Michael, I love and accept you exactly as you are. This is the only moment you have. Be here now, breathe, smile, laugh, relax, and expand. And, I'm an open channel through which love, wisdom, and abundance freely flow. And I, I have to keep reminding myself of those things like every day. And I have to keep writing down the same insight time after time because it's easy to forget. And like, dude, you're not perfect. That's cool. No one is. Like the next day, still not perfect. Ah, that's you're right. I feel- and that's mm. totally cool. <laughs> um, or, or to look back, you know, I'll be having a challenge and like really worked up over something and to look, look back at a journal entry from three months ago and see this thing. That's like exactly the wisdom that I need here. And Holy shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's my, like, it's like okay. reading that your old blog post. And you're like, yep, no, that's still, that's still relevant. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that, you know, recognize that it, that's, it's always going to be a work in progress. Um, I wanted and and this this feels like it's getting rambly um when i was trading i wanted to get that paycheck right to like get to that point and realize like okay cool like done this is handled and part of part of the process you asked about you know going from trading to where i am today is is realizing that like there is no point where it's handled right there is no point where like i'm never gonna feel blank enough or like perfect or whatever um and being comfortable with that, like, okay, I've been trying to get this place because I thought that once I get there, then I would feel worthy or loved or whatever. And like, maybe that's a place that I can come from rather than a place to get to. Hmm. Yeah, you're very, um, you're very uh, reflective and very spiritual. I love it. So what, what is your purpose? Why was Michael put on the planet? Huh. Um, the, 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 had fun. (laughs) I I like, like, um, at the end of the day, like what, what's the point if not to, to enjoy the experience? Um, and I, I think, um, to get out of my own way and, 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 you know, I write that to be a channel for something because it's like to, I think my purpose is the same as every other purpose um, that's out there, and that's to lift each other up, to mm. to help us as a collective um, continue to grow and, and to become more conscious, more aware. And if if one lifetime is a snap of the fingers, um, and you zoom out, and it's like okay, a hundred years is nothing. So what is any one life worth? Then for me, the next thing becomes like, well, the life of the species. Um, and and even if you zoom out far enough, like that's also a snap. But at least it's 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 a longer, more fun snap to work with and to to try and give as many people the gift of experiencing 
Um, and so to, to do work that in some way contributes to that. That's awesome. While having, while having, while having fun as well. Don't forget yeah. that. Because <laughs> what's the point otherwise? That's cool. So the book is called Meditation, What, Why, and How to Meditate. It's available on Amazon. Michael, where else can people find you? Uh, michaelbalshan.com um, and I'll, I'll, I'll create a, a, a special page for your listeners so michaelbalshan.com uh, slash Nathan um, and I'll put some stuff that I, that I think they, they might enjoy there and some, some free resources and fun stuff Awesome, I'm sure everyone will really appreciate that uh, I'll put uh, the link in the show notes as well but Michael it's been such a pleasure we, we have never spoken before so this is a uh, a new new experience for both of us and man, I've gotten so much out of this chat so thank you so much no it's been an absolute honor thank you um and i i i'd love to you know continue the conversation with you with with anybody who's been inspired or impacted please um you know don't hesitate to reach out i'm on i'm on twitter mbalshan or shoot me an email um uh, i think my email is on the website too but yeah it's a it, it's a fun journey we're all in it together so so Let's, let's do it. Well, there you have it, folks. My conversation with the wonderful Michael Belshan. I'm so grateful to him to give you guys some free gifts. That's at michaelbelshan.com slash Nathan. So thank you to Michael for that. Uh, don't forget, I'm running 30-day experiments starting in February, and you can vote for which experiment I should take on on my website, nathansiewa.com. Just click on 30-day experiments. As always, I'd love you to share the show on Facebook, give it a like, give it a rating on iTunes, and I'll see you next week for episode number eight of the Nathan Seawood Show. That was the Nathan Seawood Show. Personal conversations with powerful men.